Surprise. <laughs> Nobody more than me. <laughs> ah. So have you ever had the rug pulled out from under you? Have you ever wondered what just happened? I don't know how to move on. And you kind of get frozen in time. You don't know what's going to happen next. You had all these plans. You knew you were just cruising along. You knew where things were going, what was happening. And all of a sudden, it comes to a screeching halt. And you don't know what to expect next. Um, it was about 13 years ago. Uh, I was working uh, on a farm. Uh, had a boss, a business partner, a mentor of mine. And suddenly he was killed in a farm accident. And what now? You know, what, where do you go from here? What happens next? Um, we just, you know, guys that work there, it's a, it's a farm feedlot, so things don't stop. We just had to keep moving. And, but you just kind of say, where do we go? How do we move forward? And, and it's just, it's tough. You, you, you look down and you, you kind of default to back what, what you know, what you believe. And this morning, we're going to spend a little time in John with the disciples. At the very end, we're going to be in John 21, if you want to look that up. Uh, but the, the disciples had been going along, walking with Jesus for two and a half, almost three years, and just being amazed at all the things that he was doing, just, just soaking it up. I mean, they were, they were going, flying like they never thought in their life they would be seeing Jesus' miracles, hearing him teach, getting him to sit at his feet every day, you know, waking up with him. Um, they'd see him face the Pharisees and the Sadducees with answers to questions that they thought they could stump him and never could. He always, he always knew the right thing to say. And so, so they're, they're just in kind of an amazing life. And all of a sudden, he's gone. He's crucified. It's like, God, what do we do now? You know, and they were they were hiding up in the upper room. They knew, or they thought the the religious leaders were probably after them next. They were in their mind, in the religious leaders' mind, they were part of this rebellion. They needed to stop it, and so they were next, and they're hiding out. And it goes on for a few days, and suddenly Jesus appears, and then he appears again, and it's like. Well, you know, he, he told them it was going to happen, but if somebody told you that was going to happen, you still would, like, what's going on? How, you know, they just, how do you put that picture to that? It, it doesn't make any sense. And, but really, you know, they kind of fall back to their default. They were all fishermen. Uh, many of them were. Uh, and so we're going to start and look in, in John 21 here. And we see them in verse 4, or excuse me, verse 3. So we see Simon Peter. He said to them, they're standing out by the lake. I'm going fishing. That's what he does. That's, that's what you do. You, you do the next thing that, that you know. I'm going fishing. And they said, well, we'll come with you. So they went out and they got into the boat that night, but they caught nothing. But when day was breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, and yet the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. He said to them, he's on the beach, and they're out in the boat yet, Hey, children, do you have any fish with you, do you? And they answered him, No. So he said, Well, 
cast the net on the other side of the boat, and that's where the catch is. So they cast the net there, and they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. It's the Lord. And I'm sure in Peter's mind, if, if this was a movie script, he'd be, he'd be having a flashback. And it'd, it'd be on the screen, you'd see this uh, about three years ago. And uh, Peter would be jumping through his mind this story that happened back when he first met Jesus. In Luke chapter 5, it tells a story. This is when uh, Jesus first met the disciples. And, and he, he was teaching to the crowd. He went out on the boat with them, teaching to everybody. And when he got done teaching, in verse 4, Uh, Luke chapter 5, he says, When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered him and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but we'll do as you say and we'll let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners, Hey, come over here. You know, They wanted them to come over and help them. They came and filled both of the boats, so they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For amazement seized all of them and his company because of the catch which they had taken. And there was also James and John, sons of Zebedee, and there were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear from now on, you will be fishers of men. And they brought their boats to land, and they left everything to follow him. Go away from me. I'm a sinful man. That was his response when he saw Jesus, when, when he saw the, the, what he had done, the miracle he had just performed. He didn't, wasn't like me. Hey, Jesus, how about we get into a partnership together? You know, let's, let's do something big, you know, Help me out. He knew exactly who Jesus was. He was Lord. And he knew he, who he was. He was a sinful man. Each time that Jesus appeared to the disciples there, both, both in Luke and in, in John 21, he appeared to them in, let's say, in their work clothes. They weren't all dressed up. This wasn't a fancy event that they had cleaned up for. It wasn't something that they had got dressed up. They didn't have a certain level of status. To, to be there. They didn't have a certain level of finances that Jesus expected of them. He just went to them and he called them. He said he was ready to show them and prepare them for something more amazing than they could ever expect. And the truth is, Jesus is calling us. He's not asking us to get all dressed up, get fancy. We have to clean up ourselves and get prepared so that we're worthy to be with Jesus. He is going to do that for us. In fact, our doing it is, is in vain. It's only through the work of Jesus that, it, that matters. It's not our status. It's not our finances. It's Jesus wanting to use us. No scrubbing, no cleaning up, no white-knuckling it is going to fix that. It's God's invitation to us. God is calling us. 
So in Luke, or yeah, in Luke, uh, Jesus shows a miracle and Peter says to him, get away from me. Now in John, let's jump back in the story there. Uh, so we're in verse 7, and John whispers over to Peter, or yells, it doesn't say. He says to, to Peter, it's the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that, it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped down for work, and he threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in a little, came in the little boat, for they were not far off from land, about a hundred yards, dragging a net full of fish. So they got to land, and they saw a charcoal fire already laid, and fish placed on it, and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have now caught. And Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net wasn't even torn. What happens this time? Peter runs to Jesus. He doesn't wait. He jumps out of the boat, and he's already there to pull the net in when Jesus asked him to bring fish. He wanted to get close to him. The other disciples there, probably, you know, Dutch-German descent, Mennonite-raised, bass-playing, stoic disciples. I can relate to that. You know, nothing. Just they took their time. They came in on the boat. Just no emotion there. But Peter... Pulse of Peter, he jumped ahead. He wanted to get there. In Luke, we saw him, get away from me, Jesus. I'm not worthy. In John here, he runs to him. What's the difference? He had just spent two years with, with Jesus. He got to know him. He knew how he thought. He knew what he was, thinking, he was teaching. He got to spend time with him and have the conversations, and it was personal. It was real. It wasn't just somebody out there. It was his friend. So, if, if you were here last week, I um, hope you were, were able to hear Ken Ferry. He was talking about the Word of God and, and just being able to spend time in it, soak it up for what it's worth as a relationship that we have with God. It's not about, or it's not about knowing about the God in the Bible. It's knowing the God in the Bible and that's, that's who Peter was, was running to. He wanted to be with Jesus. And so he just asked, you know, do we want to be with Jesus? Is that a longing that we have to be able to spend time with him, to motivate us to, to get in his word and soak it up for all that he has for us here? So uh, in John 21, verse 12, we're going to continue in the story. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. But Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and the fish likewise. This was now the third time that it was manifested to, Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my lambs. And he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was, excuse me, 
Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. So he said to him, shepherd my sheep. And a third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he answered him and said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. So when they sit down with Jesus at the breakfast over the fire, they had the fish and the, the bread there already. I'm sure it was a very intense for them. Could you imagine your person you're following, your mentor, your, your leader, is crucified, killed, and all of a sudden he's sitting back, back there in front of you? I mean, again, they've been warned, but how do you... We don't have a place for that, to, to know that Jesus could be that back there with him. And so they were just in awe. He is really here. Amongst that, though, Jesus had a little business to resolve with Peter because the things that just happened. And Peter, he didn't know it yet, but he kind of needed to be pulled back on track and get back to where, he was, where Jesus had, had sent him off from. And so now in this movie script that we're in, uh, we'd see up on the screen uh, several days earlier. So up there we'd see uh, Peter flashing back before they were in the upper room, before the crucifixion, before the trial, they were going in and Peter was following Jesus as he was led into the trial and he got stopped at the door the slave girl who was at the door asks, and this is in John chapter 18, verse 17, are you not one of the man's disciples? Peter said, no, I don't, I'm not. And then later in verse 25 in John chapter 18, he says, now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, and he said to him, are you not also one of the disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, being a relative of one whose ear Peter had cut off earlier, said, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter denied it again, and immediately a rooster crowed. Peter denied him three times, just as Jesus had said. Just hours before that, when they were in the upper room having supper together, having the last supper together, Jesus was telling them what was about to happen, and Peter adamantly said, I will follow you anywhere. But Jesus knew the struggle that Peter was about to face. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. And Peter failed. Peter failed him. He, know it. he knows it. And the truth is, I fail him. We all fail him. We fail Jesus. And Jesus knows it. He knows ahead of time that we're going to fail. So back at the breakfast, when they're sitting there, Peter, or Jesus brings us up with Peter and says to him, in verse 15, said Jesus, Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? 
He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. And so without getting into the weeds here, there, there's several words uh, for the English word love in the, in the actual Greek. And I don't look Greek to you, do I? I? There's no reason I should know Greek. So bear with me. I'll try to explain this from people smarter than me. Uh, Jesus asks him, do you agape me, is the word they use in, in the Greek. And agape is a, a wholesome love, a sacrificial love, a I will die for my country kind of love. It's, it's bigger than us. And Jesus asked him, do you agape me? Peter doesn't say no, but he says, no, Lord. He says, Lord, I phileo you. Phileo is different. It's this brotherly love. It's you and me. It's we're we're in this together kind of love. It's like a, I'm going to go backpacking across the, across the country for a couple of weeks with you kind of love. You just want to be together. It's it's intimate and and personal. Peter didn't want to say he loved Jesus more than the others, but he wanted Jesus to know that he does care. I phileo you. Tend my lambs was Jesus' response. He begins this calling back, calling Peter back to the mission that he set him on, the mission that they had prepared for three years and kind of got stopped in his tracks. And he didn't want Peter to stay there. Care for the tender ones among you is what he's calling him to. And Jesus asked, asked him again, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? It's like Jesus was first asking the confident Peter, do you love me more than these? It's kind of made Peter, no, I don't, I don't think I'm better than anybody. But now he's asking him, but Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me? And Jesus knows the answer. He's not asking him because he wonders. He's asking him for Peter's sake. Peter responds again, Yes, Lord, you know I phileo you. You know I care for you. I think maybe Jesus just wanted Peter to hear himself say it again, to believe it. Shepherd my sheep is his response. He's up in the call. You know, first it was tend my lambs. Now it's shepherd my sheep. Would you be a servant leader? Would you be willing to lay down your life for my people? Second time, he's affirming his call to Peter to the mission. And a third time, Jesus changes the question a little bit. He says, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? So he asks it the same way Peter just asked it answered it twice. And it says, do you care for me? Are we brothers in arms, Jesus is asking. And Peter is grieved by this. He's, he's a little hurt. He he thinks his sincerity is being questioned. But he knows he failed Jesus. He knows it. He knows he failed him. And he cannot make that go away. He just, if you ever failed and you just wanted it to, just wanted to rewind time, make it go away. I know you have. We all have. We all have different stories, but none of us are perfect. And we all have things that we just want to go away. What can we say? What can we do? How can we make it better? 
when we mess up, when we hurt the people that we love the most, and when we hurt Jesus and we wander away from him, we know he knows. How do we make it better? Peter was conceding this the third time. His response was a little different. He said, Lord, he didn't say yes. He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. He's, he's desperate at this point. You know that I love you. It wasn't just I told you twice. He said, Jesus, you know my heart. You know my heart. Jesus knows our hearts. He knows what's in here. He's called us to a mission, and he knows we're going to fail along the way, but he knows what's in our hearts. He knows it better than we do. We can try to return to him filled with pride, but he knows our hearts there too, and he can fix that as well. But Jesus knows our hearts, and when we humbly confess and submit to his lordship, he knows it because he is the one who has prepared our heart and made us into useful vessels again. Jesus responds to Peter, Jesus, tend my sheep. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep, care for, grow, protect, nurture my people. Jesus wanted Peter to be confident in who he was and what he was called to because he knew the tough times that were going to be in front of him. He knew the struggles he was going to face, and he wanted Peter to know absolutely that this is the task that Jesus was calling him to. So we haven't all received Peter's call. That was Peter's call. But we've all received a call from Jesus. It's just whether or not we're willing to answer that call or not. We've received a call to be in service to him, to love him, to be in relationship, most importantly, with him. So it's not, not a call just to be a little bit better than our neighbor. It's not a call just to clean up my language a little bit or get rid of some bad habits that I have. You know, that's all nice, but it's, it's, it's not a call just to vote the right way or have the right symbols on our car or on our timeline. It's a call to be in relationship with Jesus and to be prepared to serve him. He's called and equipped each one of his children to walk with him, to follow him. When the Pharisees asked, what's the greatest commandment? His answer was, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the greatest, this is the greatest and foremost commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We can have the kind of agape love the sacrificial, I will give everything kind of love for him. And we can give all, in theory, at least once. <laughs> I remember years ago, Donald Miller was saying in a book, Blue Like Jazz, Andrew, Andrew was the protester in the book, he said, Andrew would say, dying for something is easy because it's associated with glory. Living for something, Andrew would say, is the hard thing. Living for something extends beyond fashion, glory, or recognition. We live for what we believe. It's the phileo kind of love, the brotherly love for God that moves us day after day and moment after moment. It's what we believe is right. It's what we believe that we're called to. And understanding the call means knowing, knowing right here, 
the one who is calling us. I didn't call myself to it. It's not, not my job. It's what Jesus has called me to. So when the rug gets pulled out from under us, what do we do? What do we believe? Do I believe that it's the arms of Jesus that are going to catch me and bring me down and, and get me back on the feet? And it may not be right away. It might take a long time. We may need to be in those comforting arms of Jesus for a long time. And it may not be easy. There might be pain involved. But Jesus is there to comfort us and walk with us as he cares for us, as he prepares us. It may hurt and be a little messy sometimes because sometimes God uses messy, broken people to help us comfort that fall. Sometimes God may use you to help comfort somebody else and catch them as they fall. God works in, through people. We don't know why. It's like you're God. Why would you choose to use broken, messy people to do it? But he does because he has equipped us. He is in us. His Holy Spirit is here to guide, direct, and, and keep us on task. So will you believe that God can use you? Did Peter believe that God could call him, even though he failed? Well, we see in Acts and through the rest of the New Testament the way that Peter served God, the way he loved God, and shared the hope, the truth of the gospel to people and all across the, the nation there. And, and we're just it, just, it's a testimony, and that's why God gave us that word, so we can see the promises he gives us and how he fills, fulfills them, how he carries it out. And we just see the example of Peter and how he lived out that truth from there, that point forward. And so will you believe that God can use you? He has called us. He knows we're going to fail, but he knows our hearts. He is the one that called us. So will you believe that God can use you? Is there something too big that has you stuck? God can't use me. I'm too messed up. There's no way. What would he do with this? God's redemption is complete enough. God's forgiveness and his restoration is complete. He has called us to his purpose. Who has he called you to walk beside, to encourage, to offer hope to? Who has he called you to, stand, to lend a hand to and to care for? So he's gifted us, he has equipped us for his purpose if you feel like a broken vessel, it's because we are. But he is the one who makes that vessel whole again. Not just whole, but complete, um, repaired, and more beautiful than ever. And it's not just to put up on a shelf. It's not just for decoration. He didn't restore us for that. He restored us to use us, to use us for his fullest. So will you believe that God can use you Let's pray together. God, we just thank you 
that you are the one who repairs broken vessels. You take us piece by piece and you don't care about the time. You just want us to be restored to wholeness. You, you decorate us in your image and you create us the way you need us to be to be used for your purpose, God. Open our hearts that we will be willing to answer your call, that we will be willing to respond to you, God, when you put that out in front of us and not run away, not get lost in the, the weeds, not, not to get distracted by everything else going on around us, but to answer you, God, and follow you. Just give us eyes to see and ears to hear that we can be true to what you call us to, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.